As you know, when a female black widow spider finds a mate, she'll usually kill that mate after she decides that he's no longer useful to her. And sometimes women do the same thing, and they pick up the moniker, the black widow killer. Today, I'm going to tell you about North Carolina's black widow killer, Blanche Taylor Moore. Welcome to the NC Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis, and this is the bi-weekly show where I talk about everything that has anything to do with North Carolina. Thank you all for being here, and I hadn't said this in a while, but this is episode 106. I'm 99% sure this is episode 106. I, I usually don't, uh, I used to call off all the episode numbers, and I hadn't done that in a while. I don't check in much, but uh, yeah, episode 106. I won't do uh, a whole lot of talking before I get started today. I did, when I edited the last episode, I noticed, you know, I had mentioned the sweat bees flying all around. Two things. One, when I did the editing, I noticed the sweat bees were literally crawling on the camera lens. A couple times you can see them if you're watching on YouTube. And also I had gone to a funeral around that time and I was complaining about the sweat bees. And my uncle told me that it comes from, from corn and we are surrounded by cornfields around here. And I've seen sweat bees my whole life. I, I never knew that it was the cornfields that, that really drew them in. So, uh, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'll be 42 in a few months. And 42 years, I never knew about the corn sweat bee connection. So that was really interesting. Let's see. Also, I'm, I'm recording this about five days before it comes out. So if you watch this on Saturday, the first Saturday in August, um, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, but I'm going to try to record three or four today. So, uh, hopefully I'll get that done and, uh, and I'll get a, a nice head start on you. All right, moving on. If you liked the episode, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Um, I'm usually don't like saying that I say it at the beginning of every episode. I'm actually not a fan of saying that at the beginning because you haven't even got to the content yet. But if I don't say it at the beginning, I'll lot to forget by the end of it. So, uh, Rate, review, subscribe, and you can uh, check out the links below. There's a contact or my, my email address is there in case uh, you want to suggest an episode. There's a link to the Facebook group. And if you're listening and you'd rather watch, there's a link to the YouTube channel. And if you're watching and you'd rather just listen, you can find me on most podcast players. And I know I say that in every episode. I think I say it a little different in every episode. If you're watching, I have my laptop here, but I usually don't have a, a set format for telling you to rate, review, subscribe, check the links out, Facebook, YouTube, podcast player. I just kind of wing it every time I go. But I have a lot of faithful listeners, and they've heard me say it a million times. They know what to do, and even if you're not a faithful listener, you've watched enough, most of you have watched enough YouTube and listened enough podcasts by now, you know that if you like an episode of something, you typically subscribe or, or give it the thumbs up or, or what have you. All right, before I get started, I will say I've been typing up a script for probably the past 10 or 12 episodes. I don't necessarily stick to the script, but it's a huge guideline for me. But uh, I wanted to go back to my my old style, which is just a, a few basic notes, um, at least for this episode. So I don't have full sentences here on my laptop. It's it's just notes and uh, highlighted in red and all, you know, just so I try to remember what to talk about. So this 
this episode could sound a lot like my older episodes where I, I give you a whole lot of us and, and have to think for a second on what I'm going to try to say. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to be talking about Blanche Taylor Moore. And I may call her Taylor Blanche Moore. I realized a few times in my notes that I had it switched around, but her actual name is Blanche Taylor Moore. And this episode was suggested by Christian, who's a friend from work. So thank you, Christian, for, uh, for bringing that up. I actually didn't know a whole lot about her, and it was really interesting research. And so as always, I'm going to start with the origin story or the backstory. And there's been a few cases where there wasn't a whole lot to say, and, and this is one of them. Blanche Kaiser was born in Concord, North Carolina. Her mama was Flonnie Blanche, and her dad was Parker Davis, Parker Davis Kaiser. And her dad may have had a huge part of uh, who she ended up being. He was a Baptist minister, and there's nothing wrong with that, but he was a Baptist minister, but apparently he was also a womanizer, and, and he kind of tended to be abusive in, in multiple ways to, toward women. And on top of all that, he was an alcoholic, and it said that he had gambling debts and that Blanche Taylor Moore would later say that he forced her into prostitution to kind of pay for his debts. And the thing is, she was, you know, ultimately on trial for murder. I think that's a, a really bad time to trust anything anybody says if they're literally fighting for their life. So in that situation, there's no telling what's actually true. Well, then in 1966, her dad supposedly died of a heart attack. So uh, hold on to that. Her father's heart attack will come back later on. Now, that was 1966. But let's back up a little bit. In May of 1952, Blanche Taylor Moore marries James Napoleon Taylor. The two would end up having two children together, one in 1953 and one in 1959. In 1954, Blanche gets a job as a cashier at Kroger in Burlington, North Carolina. And she must not have made a very good impression with her co-workers because they called her a two-face and, and said she kind of lied and cheated and you know, kind of vindictive. So I guess she wasn't well liked by her co-workers, but she did end up moving up to head cashier by 1959. And head cashier, I was reading in my research, head cashier is kind of like customer service now. But what's more important is back then, the head cashier was the highest job a female could get in a grocery store. A few years later, in 1962, she started having an affair with a store manager named Raymond Reed. Now, I'm not sure if he was her store manager. He was certainly a manager of Kroger's, but later it, it talks about how he moved to different stores. But he was a recently divorced store manager. She started seeing him despite her still being married to James. However, 11 years after she started seeing Raymond, James Taylor died. This was October 2nd, 1973. And very similar to her father, who died of a heart attack in 1966, her husband, James Taylor, also died of a heart attack, or supposedly so. But lo and behold, husband James is dead, so now Taylor and Reed start seeing each other in the open, or it says dating publicly. So they got nothing to hide now, so they can you know, start going out in daylight, I guess you could say. And everything in that, that relationship seemed to be going pretty well. Or I guess it depends on who you talk to. Uh, Reed said that the relationship was going really well. He even commented to some of his friends that he thought about asking Blanche Taylor Moore to marry him. 
But by 1985, things were going downhill. Like I said, Reed, he would work different stores between Alamance County and Forsyth County. You know, he was a, a manager. So he was jumping around in different stores. But Blanche Taylor Moore, she only worked at the one store. And I don't know if she got jealous or lonely. But everything seems like it was around this time, around 1985, that she started dating Robert J. Hutton. He was a regional manager. He was the regional manager for Kroger for the Piedmont Triad area. And even though she was kind of messing around with Hutton, she was still dating Reed. But the Hutton relationship didn't last very long at all. I don't know if he saw through her shit or what, but uh, it ended pretty quick. And she filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against Hutton and Kroger uh, in October of that same year, 1985. And... Also, in October, on October 17th, to be specific, she would leave Kroger. Um, she would end her employment there, which was probably a good idea since she was, you know, suing the, the regional manager and the store. And I couldn't find anything that says Kroger fired her. I think she, she left on her own. But Hutton was forced to resign himself, and Kroger supposedly settled the case out of court two years later for $275,000 in 1985 money. And then on Easter Sunday of that same year, she meets the Reverend Dwight Moore. He was a divorced pastor of the Carolina United Church of Christ in Alamance County. And, and it started out as just friends. You know, she met him. They got acquainted. They liked each other. But then she started kind of meeting at his house or they started meeting every once in a while, you know, for supper at his house. And I think even then, the both of them, both of them wanted to progress the relationship into something more. But it says that she had that lawsuit against Kroger going on. And the fact we know now she was kind of going through men pretty quick. She wanted to kind of keep her feelings toward the reverend pretty quiet because she didn't want the court to accuse her of, of using and abusing men, you know, kind of going through them. Uh, you know, they, what they call it, the flavor of the month. You know, she was trying to trying to make it look like in the court that it, the thing with Hutton was a, a real serious relationship that went bad. You know, it, uh, she didn't want to look like, uh, like she was using people. I guess I said way too many words to explain that, but, and one other thing to remember, even though she had that thing with Hutton and now she's kind of talking to the, the reverend, she's still messing around with Raymond Reed. And it, it would ultimately be her relationship with the reverend Moore that would come to her downfall. At some point during that relationship, she asked the Reverend if he could get her some arsenic-based ant killer. And I don't know if he ever got her the ant killer, but everything I read, it was kind of innocuous. You can buy ant killer, or you can still buy ant killer at Lowe's or Home Depot. Just asking to go pick me up some ant killer wasn't that, you know, that riveting. Anyway, a couple months after, after she quit Kroger, what I was talking about, she met Raymond Reed on New Year's Eve. And she made him some of her special homemade potato soup. Then on January 1st, 1986, just a few days later, or the next day, he started getting real sick and nauseous and vomiting, had diarrhea. So less than 24 hours after eating Blanche's famous soup, uh, he was it was coming out both ends is what they say. And over the next few months, he ended up missing four or five weeks of work, which he never missed work at the, uh, as a you know, um, manager with Kroger. But over the next few months, he missed a bunch of work and he ended up losing his job on May 29th, 1986. Well, eventually 
his condition worsened. And so he finally went to Wesley Long Hospital in Greensboro and he was initially diagnosed with shingles. And I've had shingles once and vomiting and diarrhea wasn't part of it. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that came to be. And maybe I don't know everything about, I'm, well, certainly I don't know everything about shingles, but my shingles didn't cause me to vomit and, and get that sick. But by June 5th, Raymond Reed started getting better, and his doctor told him in front of Blanche that he will probably be able to go home in a week. And lo and behold, he didn't get better. He got a whole lot worse. And when he was transferred to North Carolina Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem on June 13th, at Baptist Hospital, that's where Dr. Robert Hamilton diagnosed him with Guillain-Barre syndrome, which I don't know a whole lot about, but they also run some blood tests there and took a urine sample. Now, what they wouldn't find out till a long time after was that blood and urine sample or the blood sample, it, it showed uh, elevated levels of arsenic in his blood. The problem is it was never passed along back to Dr. Hamilton or anybody because of this staffing change that took place just bad timing so those blood sample results that would have showed he had arsenic in his blood kind of got kind of got lost in the mix however despite him being deathly ill and us knowing now he had arsenic in his blood he did start recovering and around this time blanche she asked if she could start bringing raymond reed some food in the hospital and and she had, keep in mind she asked permission to do this and she got permission um, that comes back later when she tries to defend herself. So Blanche would start bringing uh, her famous soup in. There's uh, evidence or testimony that she was feeding Raymond Reed some banana pudding at some point. And guess what? He got really, really sick and started going down again. One of his nurses later testified that Raymond was pleading with her and said, please help me. I'm going to die. Despite that, Blanche kept bringing frozen yogurt, milkshakes, iced tea, and again, her famous soup. And despite his ups and downs, mostly downs, I will say the doctors did everything they knew to do to try to save his life. Unfortunately, he died at Baptist Hospital, Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem on October 7th, 1986. He was 50 years old, and at that time, they did label his, the cause of his death that Gullian, William Barr syndrome. And I read that they wanted to do an autopsy, but almost immediately as soon as he died, Blanche told the doctors that they, they couldn't do an autopsy. He's already been through too much, and he wouldn't want to be cut open like this, so we can't do the autopsy. And so they, they didn't. Now, like I said, when, when Blanche's first husband, James, died, she started openly seeing Reed. Well, now that Reed was gone, she started openly seeing the Reverend Moore. And... The relationship with Reverend Moore got serious real quick after they were able to do it in the public or in public because they planned to get married. And I mean, this wasn't just the Reverend talking to his friends. Him and Blanche had serious plans to get married, but she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1987. So it kind of got pushed back or canceled. Initially, it was pushed back. You know, they were just, they were going to plan to get married maybe in November. But the Reverend Moore started getting kind of sick around that time. It started as just, you know, upset stomach and diarrhea. When he finally went to the hospital, they said he had some kind of intestinal ailment, and he ended up getting two surgeries to try to correct this. 
Ultimately, Blanche and the Reverend did get married two years later in April of 1989. They would have their honeymoon in New Jersey, and then a few days after they came back, Reverend Moore started getting really sick, and he collapsed through the floor after eating fast food, after eating a chicken sandwich that Blanche had given him. Now, it was a fast food chicken sandwich. It didn't say which restaurant it came from, but I didn't want you to think, you know, it was food poison. I, Blanche went and got this sandwich from whatever restaurant it was, and she's the one that handed it to him. And I'm not trying to be coy. It, it's a Black Widow story. We all know where this is going. Well, Reverend Moore, he spent four or five days just vomiting and diarrhea. I mean, if that don't sound familiar. Eventually, on April 28th, he was admitted to Alamance County Hospital. And just like with Raymond Reed, they couldn't really figure out what was going on with him. So he bounced between Alamance County Hospital to the Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem. Eventually, he was relocated to North Carolina Memorial Hospital in Chapel Hill. And by the way, I was born at that hospital. And when I was born there, it was called North Carolina Memorial Hospital. Now it's just UNC, uh, UNC Hospital, Chapel Hill. And really, I was born there. My wife was born there. My kids were born there. I think my mom and dad were born there. Um, I'm in Orange County. It's in Orange County. Now, despite him bouncing between the three hospitals, three, yeah, three hospitals, when he got to UNC, he, he was, it was looking like he was on his deathbed. He was about to die. And he had told the doctors that he was working with some, some herbicide poison. And so they ordered a tox screen or toxicology screen. And when it came back, it showed that the Reverend Moore had 20 times the lethal dose of arsenic in his system. So 20 times the lethal dose. It said this was the most arsenic found in a living person in the hospital's history. However, even though he had 20 times the lethal dose, Moore actually didn't, uh, the Reverend Moore actually didn't die. Blanche Taylor, Blanche Taylor Moore, she, she didn't kill this one. She, she gave it her best shot, I will say that, but somehow or another, he survived. And even though he survived, he didn't make a full recovery. Apparently, he still has trouble with his hands and his feet. He kind of has tremors and shakes. Um, it messed him up for sure, but he did survive it. But going back to, to them finding the, the lethal dose of uh, 20, more, 20 times the lethal dose, this is the beginning of the end because the SBI comes in after the it came out that he had arsenic in his system, and they interviewed Moore. And this is where Moore tells him that his wife's previous boyfriend also died. Well, he died of the Gillian, Gillian Barr syndrome. And the SBI knew that the symptoms for that syndrome, they're very similar to the symptoms you would find in somebody who's been poisoned by arsenic. And so now they're investigating Blanche. And one of the first things they find out is that Blanche tried to change the Reverend Moore's pension to make herself the, the beneficiary. So now red flags are going off everywhere. But it just keeps getting worse for Blanche because now with the arsenic poison and them knowing that she tried to change the pension, they decide to exhume her first husband, James Taylor, her boyfriend, Raymond Reed, and her father, Parker Kaiser. And no surprise, all three bodies had elevated levels of arsenic in their system. And not to kick a dead horse, I said that the Reverend, he had 20 times the lethal dose in his system. Well, James Taylor, he had 30 times the, the normal, or not normal, 30 times the lethal dose in his system. And her father had 60 times the lethal dose in his system. 
And so I guess it's good for the Reverend. Her poisons are good for the Reverend. Her poisons were going down over the years. Maybe that's why he survived, but but she poisoned the shit out of her daddy. On July 18, 1989, Blanche Taylor Moore was arrested and charged with first-degree murder and the deaths of Reed and Taylor. As far as the Reverend Moore goes, she was charged with assault with a deadly weapon. And I've, I've done a, a few crime shows on this, this podcast, and I'm going to do some more. I already have another one lined up for a few episodes from now. But it always seems like criminals, when they think they're going to get caught, they do dumb stuff. And after they've been caught, they say dumb stuff. I say that because even though they exhumed the bodies and found all this arsenic in their system, some of the initial interviews with Blanche Taylor Moore, she suggested that uh, Reed and her husband James were depressed and they probably poisoned themselves with arsenic. I don't know. I didn't actually look this up. I don't know if anybody's ever committed suicide by arsenic. But anyway, I I laughed when I read it because, you know, it's like he shot himself in the back twice that, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. And continuing with the criminal say dumb stuff, she went to court in Forsyth County on October 21st, 1990. And there she denied ever bringing any hospital or bringing any food to read. She, she denied bringing him food, even though she specifically asked permission from a hospital official to do so. And, there were dozens of hospital officials, nurses, doctors who testified that they saw her feeding him food that she brought from home. Yet she goes in there and not only does she say, I didn't bring him food. She says that she didn't even see him the whole time he was in the hospital. Hundreds of people saw her seeing him in the hospital. It, again, it's just it's kind of dumb. Anyway, despite all the dumb, dumb stuff she would say, uh, she was ultimately convicted on November 14th, 1990 on November 17th on November 17th, uh, the jury recommended the death penalty. And I'm sorry if I get like, I look irritated and this, this is going to happen in my next crime episode coming up and it's worse than this, but it's not the next episode, but it's coming up on a few episodes. I have a big problem and I'm not going to make this a political podcast, but I have a big problem with our justice system and how we do things. Now I have a big problem with the, the word criminal rights. Um, again, I'm not going on a bandstand here, but you'll notice when I do these crime episodes, especially when it comes down to trial and sentencing, I usually get a little edgy cause, uh, you know, people, criminals tend to get forgiveness and paroled and, get to go back to their life but if you murder somebody they don't get to go back to their life you can't undo a murder you can't undo molestation you can't undo rape but those people can be forgiven and it doesn't sit right with me anyway i'm going back to the story now so she was sentenced to die and like everybody always does she appealed it on january 18th 1991 a judge concurred that she should die by lethal injection And her lawyers, they tried and tried to appeal. They said she didn't get a fair trial because they shouldn't have brought up her father's death or her former lover's death in this trial uh, with Raymond Reed or with with Moore. You know, they they did everything they could. And, And then there was this weird confession letter. It was a deathbed confession written by a homeless man who at that time had had since written the letter passed away. His name was Garvin Thomas. 
And the letter went on to say that he was infatuated with Moore and that he killed her, he killed her lovers so he could be close to her. And a handwriting expert fairly quickly determined that Blanche Taylor Moore wrote that letter herself. Now, Blanche Taylor Moore was never executed. You know, again, with the justice system issues, she has been sitting, sitting on death row since 1990. Today, she's at the North Carolina Correctional Institution for Women, and she's known as prisoner number 0288088. Now, because of what they call automatic appeals, I'm not exactly sure what, how automatic appeals work, <clears throat> but because of automatic appeals, that's why she's still living up there at the, the women's prison. She's been on death row for over 31 years, and today, she or this year, she's 90 years old, and this makes her the oldest woman on death row in the United States. And it's July 30th, 2023. At the time I put these notes together, Blanche Taylor Moore was still alive and is the oldest woman on death row in the United States. For all I know, she died this morning before I turned the camera on. And I'll finish this episode up by running down the, the pop culture uh, of Blanche Taylor Moore. In 1993, Jim Shoots wrote a book called Preacher's Girl, The Life and Crimes of Blanche Taylor Moore. Also in 1993, Elizabeth Montgomery, she played Blanche Taylor Moore in the TV movie Black Widow Murders, the Blanche Taylor Moore story. In 1999, Discovery Channel, they had a show called The New Detectives, and in season four, episode six, Women Who Kill, they featured Blanche Taylor Moore. And it said they covered Blanche Taylor Moore in the shows Evil Lives Here and Snapped. And in season one of Deadly Women, she was portrayed by Maha Mesht. I don't know that lady's name. Uh, you can check out season one of Deadly Women, and there's a segment about Blanche Taylor Moore in there. And I'm sure because I used to, before I started podcasting on my own, I used to listen to a bunch of podcasts. I'm sure there's a ton of podcasts out there on Blanche Taylor Moore. I got an ant crawling on me. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm swinging my arm all around. I can feel that little sucker on me. I couldn't, couldn't see him. Anyway, I'm sure there's a ton of podcasts out there, probably a few YouTube videos on Blanche Taylor Moore. But that's, uh, that's the end of episode 106 on Blanche Taylor Moore or criminal or prisoner number. I lost it in my notes, but I'm going to probably name this episode whatever her prison number was. Anyway, if you like the show, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Christian from work, I hope you liked the episode since it was your suggestion. And uh, maybe next week or next few weeks, I'll ask you, uh, I'll ask you what you thought about it. It's not usual that I actually get to go and talk to the people who uh, suggest episodes, but with the exception of Christian, Christian and my sister Kristen, um, I don't. Otherwise, I, uh, outside of those two people, I don't usually get to talk to my listener suggesters. Anyway, don't forget to check out the links below so you can watch if you're listening and listen if you're watching, and you can go to the Facebook group for even more NC Everything content or even more NC Everything. And going back to suggestions just for a minute, I do have several listener suggestions uh, in line. If you do have a, a suggestion for an episode, I will. If I can put together an episode for it, I certainly will. Some of my suggestions I hadn't been able to ever put together an episode. I, I'm kind of leaving them, leaving them in the bank in case I can put them in another episode later. But uh, if you do suggest something, it, it could be a bit of a wait before I get to it. 
but I do love the suggestions. So don't hesitate to, to reach out and, and let me know what you're thinking. And uh, with that being said, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm.